my neighbor. You know, as we know, these are words that were spoken in the Bible, and Jesus dealt a lot of the scriptures are dealing with how to deal with other people. When you go through the scriptures, you'll find Jesus talking about how we should deal with other people. And so when we get to this passage, it really expands, you know, on the whole deal, love thy neighbor. And I'm going to be talking about that in a minute, you know, as soon as I get my page up here. <laughs> and, um, of course, Jesus taught this scripture as was highlighted last week by Sophie. Uh, I don't know which passage you took it from, but Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus taught on many things, but he majored on two. If he majored on these two, it should get our attention to have a look at these. Because I think as... Um, if I remember your, your sermon from last night, you alluded to that people are aware of this saying, even in the population. You know, people go, oh, yeah, love thy neighbor. They picked it up somewhere along the way. They don't always know it's connected to the words what Jesus actually said, and uh, they understand the principle, but they don't really do anything with it. And, and some of us Christians don't either. It's like, yeah, I agree with that, love thy neighbor. But do you actually practice it? Do we actually, and what does that all mean? Unfortunately, we've all failed in these two commandments, every one of us over history. In fact, Billy Graham said this. I was going to do a Billy Graham impersonation there, but I can't do it. <laughs> no man through the history. <laughs> no, that's too, that's too sudden. Uh, no man through history has lived up to the commandment of God, and that is why we need the forgiveness of Jesus. No man through the whole of history has lived up to the command of God. That is why we, know we need Jesus. So if you're feeling really bad, well, you know, I'm not loving money. Well, we're working at it. We're a work in progress. We've always got to look forward. But that is why we need Jesus, because we can't do it without Him. And the, but the good news is, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous, that He may forgive us the sins and may cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. You know, I believe today, as I speak this, that God's going to do some little massaging on you, adjustments. I've just been to the chiropractor, and I know what that's like, crack. You know, sometimes it feels a bit painful when God does adjustments on you, crack, like, oh, yeah. Uh, but He needs to do that to get you back into alignment. If you're not in alignment with God, you're going to be, yeah, just out of alignment. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. So I want you to be open to what God has to say, and uh, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this meeting to uh, come forward and respond to what God is speaking to you. So anyway, let's turn to our Bibles this morning, and the main scripture I want to talk out of is Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, going through to verse 48. So it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, and uh, starting there, Jesus speaking here.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word of truth this morning. God, as we look into your word, I pray, oh God, it will not just be words on a page, but it will jump out of us and God, we will digest it, we will carry it and we will act from it. I pray this morning that people will understand the importance of your word and your truth. And as we read this, as we meditate on your word, God, I pray you'll speak to us, speak to each one of us here today through your word, challenge us, adjust us as you need to do, God, and forgive us, Lord, where we need forgiveness, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, 43. I'm going to pull some things up out of this verse, which I, I kind of just like pondering on in lockdown. And, uh, you know, it's like, actually, lockdown was kind of crazy. People, we had more of a lockdown than you, I'm telling you. You know, you go, what's he on about? Our lockdown in our house was more than the state because we had Ashley at home. And Pastor Ashley was telling us, shh, every five minutes because she's running all these online things to all the youth. We, we felt like we couldn't move. Yeah, we go to another room. No, I'm using that room because I'm about to do a Zoom call. Oh, I moved to this. Oh, but I need this now because I'm doing a call. It was like worse than lockdown from COVID. It was unbelievable. Anyway, we got through it. That's good. Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you have heard, Jesus says, you have heard. Now here's Jesus talking, this is from Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, he's addressing a lot of things, and now he's sat down probably by the tradition that they did, teaching, and um, he's speaking to his disciples some information on teaching, and it goes right through the whole passage of Matthew 5 and 6, and um, here he is, he says to them, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Interesting straight away that Jesus says, you have heard. Normally Jesus would say, for it is written. And today some of us look at that verse and we go, yeah, yeah, I thought that was the deal, you know. We kind of love our neighbor, hate our enemy, you know. It's like, isn't that the deal? You know, we don't want to hang out with the enemy. And, but you know what? That is not even scriptural. Only part of that is scriptural. In fact, the first mention of love thy neighbor is Leviticus 19.18, where it says, You shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Jehovah. Nowhere in the whole scripture does it say, hate your enemy. So perhaps today you've picked up somehow on that and kind of all living that. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. And that's why Jesus said, that very thing, you have heard. He's not affirming that it's written. He said, you have heard, because it was the traditional thing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They believed that verse to mean that very thing. If you are my neighbor, then you are like me. You are a Jew. You believe the same thing, so you become my friend. That's the kind of concept they took out of that verse. They believed it's my friend. But if you're not my friend, you must be my enemy. And so this is where the Scripture comes uh, to, into being, into place. So the Jews believed that if you're my neighbor, you're my friend. So if you're not my friend, you're my enemy. And they taught that and that carried through. So the traditional uh, values and words were carried through time. And that was what was circulating. So here comes Jesus. That's what I like about Jesus. Jesus steps on the scene and he pulls it all together. Jesus um, brings it all together. And he says... Um, where are we, sorry? He, he says, 
it's so easy for you to be distracted, but I'm going to tell you the truth right now. He's going to bring all in in one go here, into alignment. And that's why he's, he corrects them here. There's a big correction coming up here when we get to the next verse. Um, sorry, I've, my computer's playing up here. It says, uh, so firstly, the wrong interpretation was given by the scribes and the Pharisees. The Jews considered the neighbor to imply like the Jewish race, right? So they're all in that thinking. And Jesus comes in the mix of that and amongst that and says, no, you've got it wrong. There is no scripture on this. I'm here to correct you. Because remember, he's talking to his disciples now. He, they probably carried this thought because they're Jews and they've heard it said and this has been the traditions and whatever. And they've carried this through so long that he now needs to address this. He needs to address this more so than any other time. And uh, the whole passage that he brings out of this is the emphasis that it's not about the enemy here. It's about loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. And Sophie did a great job on that last week. Uh, like I said, explaining what that love means. It, love from the Greek word agape, as she would have said probably, is of the highest level love that you can have. So Jesus wasn't just saying, love your enemy, you know, like when they're good to you, or, you know, or, or they're your friend. He's now saying this is the highest level, the highest level. And that's why it was second commandment, the greatest commandment that was given. And uh, so we also got to understand that's what's trying to be communicated to each one of us. What does that mean when God speaks His Word to you today, love your neighbor? What do you do with that? Do you go, well, that's, that's a good saying, Pastor, and I love that. I'll write that down in my notes, and uh, yeah, great. Do we leave it at that, or have we left it at that? Or do we actually look for opportunities outside to actually do that? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. There is a lack in lo of love in this world today. We've seen that. As I said earlier, look at the fighting that's going on in America. Yeah, it's, all, it's terrible. But we're starting to see things in Australia. Look at Melbourne, what was going on there, all the, what was going on between the government and people. There is no greater time now to exercise love your neighbor. People need to be loved, and you need to extend that love to those people. Because right now, there's a lot of people that are fearful, a lot of people that are hurting. And we need to, get, we need to say there is a hope. There is a hope in one person, Jesus. Their hope is like being told, they've been told right now through the news and whatever, as you'd see, bombarded every night, the hope is in the vaccine. I'm telling you, there's no hope in this vaccine. Do your homework on it and you'll be surprised and shocked at what's actually in it. Our hope is in one person, Jesus Christ. There is no life outside him. There is no way without him. And we need to understand and have that in place this day in our own lives. It is clear that people have morally lost their way of the teaching of Jesus. That's why there's so much fighting. Look at that uh, instance of this uh, guy. I haven't read the whole account, but I've heard bits of it. Of the shutdown here was due to a guy at a pizza bar that had the coronavirus or whatever. Well, you know, whatever you think of that, what's happened afterwards is that pizza bar, which is innocent, has been, had death threats and all sorts. They've got police out there protecting this thing. What's that about? Like, really, over, it's just crazy. But this is where 
the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of evil is starting to, of the Antichrist is starting to flow. You're starting to see some people are getting agitated more. They're getting worked up. There's something in the atmosphere. But when we come together, when we pray, we break that atmosphere. I'm telling you, you're, if you carry the presence of God and you start speaking out His words, you clear the area. It's like we come into an area of darkness, we proclaim the name of Jesus, the enemy scatters. It starts dispersing. And it's like, and we are the carriers of light. So the darkness does disappear. And we need to walk with that confidence where we're going. We should be the ones that are totally confident of what we believe. You know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth says, I'm not moved by what I see, but what I believe. When we get to a place of believing what God's Word says over the, what we see, that's when changes happens. That's when you're walking a whole new confidence. But when we're fearful every time we turn on channel 7, channel 9, 10, whatever it is, and listen to that and think that's the gospel, you're misled. You'll, that, that, that's designed to put fear in you. But that's not truth. That's not the truth. The truth will set you free. Amen. So we're called to love, to get closer to people. And uh, in this time, we need to do that. We will only learn to live, love our neighbor as ourselves by drawing closer to Jesus and obeying his words. As we obey his word, we, go, we uh, draw closer to him and we find out to love him. You know, it's so hard to love some people, isn't it? You know, like, oh, who do I have to Jesus? You know, like, can you pick someone else I do like? And, uh, you know, and we all go through those sort of things. But, you know, that's the greatest test. He's looking for your obedience. Like when he goes, go sit next to that person, go talk to that person. Oh, really? Do you know who that is? You know, um, we're very much like that. But we got to actually say, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm obedient to your will. I'm just going to do this. And, and I find that you'll get into conversations wherever you are when you're obedient to God. I was in a queue. I just popped in. I was here Wednesday uh, before the lockdown, and I went out to get some lunch. And my goodness, the longest queue I've ever had for lunch. And uh, like I went to the local supermarket, and the queue was out the door. Then, you know, like we're in this big lineup just to pay for things. And someone was getting confused, and uh, he said, oh, is this, this, is this the queue to pay the checkout? I said, no, it's back at the entrance. <laughs> it was that bad. And, um, but just talking, you know, you, you make yourself available open. I start chatting to this guy. And we, you know, I dropped a few little seeds there. You're not going to get the whole message through in one encounter, but I just start putting things of hope, you know. And I start speaking things because he was a little bit fearful. Oh, this is how I said, oh, look, I wouldn't worry about all that. There's, listen, uh, don't listen to everything you hear because not everything is true. I said, have a look online, look at some research and stuff like that if you're worried about that. So we started just having a little bit of conversation. It's just in line, you know, and I just find that there's plenty of opportunities like that to start up a chat, you know, and where some people were getting a little agitated. I was laughing with these, uh, another lady that was there, and we were having a good laugh and joking about things. And uh, so, you know, it's getting into the world of people, to love people. James 2.8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well if you fulfill the royal law. The royal law is God's law, God's love. If you fulfill that, you do well, as James says. So we see all this crazy stuff going on. Jesus addresses the love factor, but now he has to address with his disciples the enemy factor. Now, this is the one we don't want to hear, right? We don't want to hear... You know, you've probably all got enemies, maybe your mother-in-law, maybe, uh, 
some good mother-in-laws. I'm not saying that if, if my mother-in-law is watching right now, it's okay, that wasn't about you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whose phone's that? Sorry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we all got people in our world that kind of you know, tick us off and get us angry. And, uh, but Jesus says here, he blows it all apart. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use and persecute you. And you're going right now, but wait a minute, Jesus, love your enemies, but you don't know what they've done to me. You know, when we start thinking like that, do you know what Jesus is going to come back with? He says, let me tell you, you were once my enemy. You were once my enemy, but I loved you so much, I went to the cross. I carried your pain, your shame, your sin. I went to the cross for you. If I can do that, surely you can forgive this person. In fact, it goes a bit further in the Scripture. It says, if you cannot forgive, I cannot forgive you. Now, that one I've always worked on. I'm going, gee, this is kind of like, this is big. This is big when you think about it. When we ask for salvation from Jesus, we ask Jesus to forgive us. And we accept that we are saved. Now, when somebody comes to us, and there's a few parables on that, when somebody comes to us and we said we're not forgiving you and then you look in the context of jesus scripture there it says if you do not forgive i do not forgive you or i cannot forgive you what does that do to your original agreement with jesus when you say forgive me and then you chose not to forgive i'll let you think about that one it is important that we learn to forgive it's it's, it's the command of the scriptures hey it may not be just what's happened to you. It may not be right what's happened to you. It doesn't, you know, and God will deal with it. God's going to deal with everything. Everything that's happened to you that's been wrong, whatever, God will deal with that, okay? So you don't need to deal with it. But while you're dealing with it, you're messing up the plan of God. And you open up yourself, as it says in uh, Genesis 2, where Cain, like, was angry against God. God says to him, sin crouches at your door. Get your act back in, the, in line. Sin crouches at your door. When you allow the seed of hatred to come in, it starts to fester, it starts to grow, and it'll be bigger than whatever you know, could imagine. But if you stamp out that, you kill that seed, and you open the seed of love, it changes all things. And I'm telling you, as you get closer to Jesus, you'll see people differently. You know one word, one passage that changed my whole kind of view on this years ago was Jesus had been beaten, spat on, put on the cross, nailed to the cross, if you ever read the account of what they did in crucifixions, you'd be horrified. You know, sometimes we do it very light by just whizzing over that. But I've read the account. Lee Strobel's put that together. Uh, and to think that Jesus' words were like, it wasn't like, Father, get me off this cross. I don't deserve this. You know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I find generally in life, most people do stupid things or crazy things or hurtful things without thinking it all through. But they do not know what they do. They don't know the consequence of what actually that does. And we've heard some horrifying stories over time with that. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So we were enemies of God when He reached out to us with His love. 
Romans 5.8 says, But God commends his love towards us, and while we were yet uh, sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for you once you got your act together. Just get your act together, and then I'll, you know, I'll think about it. No, he died for you when you were sinners, when you weren't even linked, you weren't obeying, you were disobeying, you were living your own life, whatever. He died then. He didn't die afterwards. He died while you were sinners, it says. So when we look at this passage, we see four things we're called to do in this verse. First of all, love your enemies. As I was saying, love your enemies. Not just tolerate them. You know, sometimes, oh, they're coming over again. Oh, do they have to? I'm going out. You know, as, as like, uh, let, let's, let's, let's change our attitude. Let's change our attitude. You know, as I said, this love that God calls us to is the highest level of love. That love is captured by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, where he describes what that love looks like, where he says, love suffers long and is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That is the greatest description of love. And we know the Scripture tells us God is love. I, I've just done a wedding uh, like a couple of days ago. Um, I was supposed to do it this afternoon. And because of what happened, lockdown, uh, the girl rang me up. I was on the way home and at the shops. And she rings. She goes, oh, hi, Ian. Um, look, I just want to run this by you. You know, we're supposed to get married. And now we're in lockdown. It probably won't happen. Can we do it tonight? I go, huh. What, with me? <laughs> yeah, you can do it tonight with me. And, and I go, ah, oh, yeah, okay, what time are you looking at? And I had two hours. I wasn't even home yet. And uh, so I said, hey, okay. and I, rang, I said, look, I better check in with the boss. And, and so <laughs> I rang Sharon and said, this is okay, because she was already planning some stuff we could do, go out. And um, she said, you've got to do it. Like, you got to, I said, yeah, okay, that's good. So I'd better just check in first to make sure I don't get told off later. But anyway, uh, <laughs> just kidding. She knows my sense of humor. It's all right. <laughs> and uh, so there we were. Two hours later, they're all married. They're all happy, and it's all good. You know, and uh, it, where was I going with that? <laughs> but... You know, we've got to be willing to react like that in love. You know, like I could have said, no, 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 no. You know, I'll tell you when you get married. You can wait until the lockdown is maybe extended. Who knows? You know, no, but out of love, I said, no, I'm going to do this for you. You know, and uh, of course, I'd race home. At least I had a shirt that was ironed. That was good. And, uh, and did that. But that was like, I could quite easily, because it was totally dependent on me, that this marriage was not going to happen without me. You know, she said, look, because I've got all the official paperwork and all that sign and whatever. And, uh, and I could have just said, nah, nah, nah. But no, I thought, no, I've got to do this. This is important to them, and, and they don't want this to be sports, so we're going to do that. As we did earlier on the year when my daughter uh, Mariah got married here when we were only allowed 20 people in, in this place. We worked around that with 20 here, 20 in the cafe, 20 in the back room. And um, so uh, it all worked, and worked good. And uh, so, But we're not going to hold up things to God. And that's the same here because... Our love, Sharon and I, our love for you as our congregation is that we're going to be here for you. Wherever possible, we're going to hold church. Wherever possible, we're going to have our prayer meetings. You know, we're not going to cancel them just because of the fear of the boogeyman. And uh, we're going to say, no, my God's bigger than that. I feel like the veggie tales now. Anyone see the veggie tales? 
God is bigger than the boogeyman. And uh, <laughs> songs that pop in your head when you're preaching, I don't know. But anyway, you know, it's important to us that we do get together. And I've seen all sorts of different things. I know there's, you know, there's ones where we weren't allowed to meet at all. But, you know, that was the early days and people were starting to push back. You know, in America, we've got churches there that are closed and not allowed to open, yet allowed casinos open, strip clubs and whatever. But they don't see that there's a right for a church to be open. And one of our guys that we know there, he's fighting that at the moment. He says, no, I am going to meet. And he says, because I know my rights. And he's had Christians attack him, say, hang on, it doesn't say in Romans 13 that you have to obey the government's uh, authorities and all that. It says to obey the law of the land. And the law of the land in America is their, their um, constitution, which actually says no government has the right to order a religious organization to stop preaching, meeting together, whatever. So he says, I am following the law of the land, as the scripture says. I don't know what our constitution is, but we, we, it'd be good for us to pull out and have a look. I've got one. I haven't had a chance to read it all yet. So we need to have a look because you need to know what your rights are. If you don't know what your rights are, you're going to get more and more pushed because over history, we've always found whenever a government changes something, it's a step forward. And even though there's pushback, it doesn't go back. It just stops there. They will try again and they're moving, moving, moving. And yeah, anyway, it's another subject. Let's get back to the story. Um, so love never fails. It says, bless those who curse you. Wow, you know, that's, that's kind of like hard, isn't it? Like, you curse? I remember pulling out of the street one time in my car, and, you know, you're judging the car. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, there's two lanes there. Anyway. And so I pull out, and this car was speeding. And he had plenty of room to go on the left side, but he chose to right, run right up my backside. And, like that, and I go, <laughs> you get those moments like, mm, and, and, and it's like, mind yourself, you're a pastor, people, and and, uh, <laughs> and it was that moment. It's like, and then not only that, uh, so I move over into the other lane so he can pass. He's not happy with that. He's got to pull up alongside, wind down the window, beep beep beep, and then he spits on my window, and I went. Bless you. <laughs> I did. I just smiled and bless you. <laughs> bless those who curse you. Hey, just bless you. That's that was total control for me. That was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it says nextly, do good to those who hate you. Oh, that's a hard one. You know, like as pastors, we got to deal with that. You know. People don't all love us. I hope you do. Uh, you know, because we, we do one thing that you don't like, and you don't like us, you know, and we're just telling you the Word of God. So if the Word of God uh, stirs you up, well, take it to God. Like, I'm, only, I'm His deliverer. Um, like, uh, and we've had people that get upset about that when we teach the Word of God to them. They get upset. They leave. Oh, hey, you. Okay, yeah, whatever. That's fine. But you find those people later, not even in church, they got some big issues, and I pray God will help them through those issues. And, um, but to do good to those who hate you, you know, like, think about those things. We, we kind of do that. You know, even when we've had people in the past that have left over different stupid things, sometimes we don't even know what they left for. We go, well, we didn't even hear from them. Just disappeared. They were upset with somebody in the congregation or whatever. And um, we still... And this is Sharon's therapy, by the way, and she just writes a card saying, thank you for being part of C3 Salisbury, and sad to see you go. 
See, we don't act like them, like, I'm so glad to get rid of you, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the human nature, isn't it? The human nature would be like, you upset me or I hate you, you know. I'll tell you what I think of you. We, we, you know, but here Jesus brings it back and says, it says, do good to those who hate you. Or do something good to them, right? Yeah. But, you know, it just changes your whole mindset. And, and, and we need to understand that. And then it says this last one, it says, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Whoa, now that's a heavy one. I lived in a block of units years ago, and uh, uh, it was a sort of a, what do you call it, under some title, so there was several units there. And a friend of ours said, look, uh, they actually let us live there, it was their unit, and they said, you can rent it off us, that's all good. I said, fine, that's great, because we had nowhere to live like in the early days. And so we moved into this unit. It was all good. I was working as a um, motor mechanic back then. And I used to have the joy of taking the, the work vehicle home. It was no joy to Sharon because it was a little tiny Daihatsu Nissan thing. It was, and it was falling to bits. It was making noises and all sorts of stuff. Now, there used to be a long driveway down into this complex. I started by parking on the road thinking, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll walk down. But they go, oh, this is so far. It's like 100 meters. I'll just drive the car in. No problems. I didn't realize this car was dropping oil on the ground in this complex. And also, in the morning, it had a problem with the starter mode. So we go, <laughs> so I'll be doing this every morning. And all of a sudden, it would just grab smoke coming out of the back. And I'd go up the driveway. Well, this is all good. I didn't have a problem. But then I get a phone call from my friend who owned the property, and he said, look, we've had a complaint from the neighbors. I said, what complaint? What, about me? He says, yeah, it's about your car. I said, what's, well, I know, you know, dropped a bit of oil. And it's, yeah. He said, oh, they're not happy with the noises in the morning, disturbing the peace, making a mess on the ground, on the concrete with your oil leaks and all that. I said, oh, okay. So he said, can you please sort of just smooth it over and just park on the road? So I started doing that. Well, that was okay. We didn't see our neighbors much. It was an old couple. And uh, then one day, a friend of ours came to visit us. And they walked, the footpath was like directing to our house or our unit. And there was the neighbor's uh, grass there. She walked across the neighbor's grass, right? And I didn't know, you know, like, yeah, she came and saw us, chatting, blah, blah, blah. Phone call again. Um, just letting you know, the neighbors are not happy. Oh, what now? <laughs> uh, apparently, one of your friends walked across their grass. I said, oh, kill me now. And it's like, I said, you've got to be kidding. Oh, they're very upset. They like their lawn, and they don't like anyone walking on it. And I said, all right, all right. And I'm getting like, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. And, and like, uh, but, it, but then I, was take, I had to take then at that point of what the Jews believe, you know, like, they're not my friend anymore, they're my enemy. And I remember like, oh, these guys, these guys, you know, like, ah. Oh. And God rebuked me, he says, what did I tell you to do with your enemies? I'm like, kill them? No, <laughs> no, you didn't say that. No, no, you didn't say that. Uh, he said, I said, pray for them. I go, really? I don't pray for them. You know, the grumpy old pair. And, 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 and so I said, all right, I'll do it. So I was like, God, I pray for them next door. You know, I had that kind of attitude them and and he said hey uh, get the attitude right get the attitude right okay and i finally kind of got the attitude right and started praying thought nothing more of it anyway i 
gone out to pick up something one day and I thought, I had a, that's right, a clothes dryer in the back of my car and I thought, there's no way I'm going to unload the car, walk down, you know, all, all the way down to the unit, which is 100 metres away. I don't think they'd be home. They won't see me. I'm going to drive the vehicle down. <laughs> and, and I did and, and they weren't home. And I thought, yes. And I'm struggling. I'm, I'm getting, I, ha- I had the seatbelt around my, <laughs> my dryer, clothes dryer. And I'm struggling out and who starts rocking up in the car next to me? Oh, it's a neighbour sprung. Oh no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? He jumps straight out of the car and I go, oh, here we go, here we go. And he goes, can I help you? What? You don't want to abuse me? You know, so I was thinking inside. He goes, oh, I can help you. I said, oh, oh, no, it's all right, it's all right. And I said, I'll, I'll get this car out of the way. And he goes, oh, it's all right, take your time, take your time. And when we went to leave, they even came around and said, oh, we're so sad that you're leaving. What? <laughs> They've gone from all this, uh, you know, so that tells you the power of prayer works. That was a prayer of faith and believing, and it worked. So don't forget, for those that persecute you, pray for them. Let God do some work on them, and God did some work on those guys. And finally, it says, uh, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those. It goes on through there, and it says, so that you may become sons of your Father in heaven. So that you may become, so that you may, that you haven't. He's talking to disciples here. So that you may become, not that you have become. So that you may, so there's a a living out of this thing, a continuation of this thing. You know, and we demonstrate those things, we show the love of Christ. In fact, we resemble those who we follow. If we follow God, God's going to come out of you. It's like, my wife's always telling me off. She goes, go sort out your daughter. My daughter? <laughs> I thought it was our daughter. She's just like you. Just like you. I wonder who that'd be, Ashley. And, uh, <laughs> but that's it. You know, like we have influence on others. Now, if we influence and live in the love and position of God, then that's going to come out and affect others. But that's what it says here so that you may, so that you may become sons of the Father. After you've done those four things I've just said, you love your enemies, bless those who curse you, you know, do good to those who hate you and pray for those. Do those things so, it's all one sentence, not a big break here, so you may become sons of your Father in heaven. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God ultimately through faith in Christ Jesus. John 1.12 says, For as many as received him, he gives them the right to become children of God. I like what the pure word Bible says here when it expands it from the Greek. It says, But as many as received him, to them he gave authority to become children of God, to them that are continuously by choice committing for the purpose and result of his name. Well, that says so much more than just... uh, as many as receive him that's the context of the greek meaning there and that's the place we need to live from today we need to be by choice committed for the purpose and the result of his name continuously it's not a one-time effort it's a continuous every day every day you know and unfortunately i've seen some of the worst behavior in my 30 odd years as a christian from christians I've had non-Christians treat me better than some Christians have. And I go, that is such a bad witness. 
people should say to you, there's something different about you. When you're in the workplace with a non-Christian, they should notice there's something different about you. I had comments like that. People go, well, you're different than these guys. You know, one was obvious because I didn't swear, but um, but they should see something. They say, I don't know what it is. You know, when I get around you, I just kind of feel good. You know, I said, well, that's the presence of God. We carry the presence of God. Remember that. You carry the presence of God. It's not just you in the flesh anymore. When you're moving around, you're carrying the presence of God. You're carriers of the presence of God. And when you bump into people, they feel that presence. They like don't know what it is, but they kind of sense something's different. They kind of feel something's different. And we've got to be aware of that. Like, hey, get your eyes open. Don't like when you're on the bus. Somebody sits next to you. Hey, how you doing? I don't usually uh, have too many issues there. People just seem to start talking to me on buses and trains and things. And and uh, my wife was always saying, I thought you just went to the shops for one thing. And like, it's two hours gone past. <laughs> hey, that's all right. So out of this whole passage, Jesus tells us one thing, to love your neighbors and love your enemies. In other words, he's not distinguishing between people. In other words, you someone want love all people, regardless of where they are in your top 10, regardless of where you see them in your life. Love all people. Treat everybody the same when they come into your world, because Jesus did. And we express the love of God by doing that. I just want you to close your eyes this morning as we come to a close. This morning, you know, you can't love anybody really without the love of God in you. Because God is love. You can like people, you can have fun with people, but you can't really truly love them in the context of that word, agape love, without God, because God is love. But that love only comes to you through a relationship with Him, Jesus. And if you don't have that relationship with Him, you will never experience that love. God made a way that you could experience that love of His through His Son, Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross, paid the price for your sin, that you should experience that love and forgiveness of God, that you'd come back into a right relationship with Him. And this morning, perhaps you're here and you've not done that. You may have even done that, like when I was in Sunday school or something like that, or you're not even sure. You need to be sure this morning. You need to be sure. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to that call. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to know that you're going to heaven for sure. No matter what this crazy world does, you're assured a place in heaven with Him. If you want to know what it's like to have your sins forgiven, and start a whole new life. Wherever you are right now, just raise your hand with every head bowed, eye closed, and I'll see the hand. I'll just pray for you. It's that simple. You enter the kingdom of heaven by prayer, repentance, asking Jesus into your life to live for Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But the other call today is that God will do an adjustment on all of all. I include myself here because none of us have got it all together. We may be working on it. Some may be further ahead than others. 
but we all need God's forgiveness. We all need to know that God loves us. Others in this planet need to know God's love too. So I'm asking today that you'd be conscious of that. And if God has been speaking to you right now, even as I'm talking, faces are coming to people's minds right now. Are people that they kind of had an argument with, someone's had an argument with someone, and they've never kind of ever spoken again. I want you to be brave. I want you to ring that person up. Say, look, can we catch up? You know, we may have had our disagreements and upsets, but I want to make this right. I'm telling you, that'd be the greatest witness you could ever have. The person on the other end of the phone may not be saved, you know, may not know Jesus. And you can say, why are you doing this? Because my Lord and Savior has told me to, and I want to, because it's got to be right between us. It may be an issue with your family, work friends, whatever. I don't need to know what that is. But one thing I'd like to be assured of is that you're hearing from God right now and that if God is speaking to you on any of those things, that you just acknowledge it by raising your hand because I want to pray for you again. I want to pray for you. You know, if something's not going right, it's all right, be brave. Nobody's looking. Just God, yep, amen. Amen, that's right. I'll put my hand up right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, today, I pray for all those that have raised their hand in this place. Father, I pray that we will grab hold of your word and your truth. Father, when you said to love your neighbors as yourself and love your enemies, Father, let's not just forget that when we leave this place, but let's live today out of that word. Let us look for opportunities to love somebody. Let us look for opportunities to care for somebody talk to somebody. There's a lot of people out there that are lonely. Just sit there, have a coffee with them. Whatever it may be, Father, I pray today that you'll give the, these people an opportunity to make that work, for that uh, connection to happen. Father, we give you all the glory today. We give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.